What is up, guys? Welcome back to Peace and Tribulation. I hope you guys are doing well. It has been a long time no see on here, and um, thank you for just being patient with me because it has been an interesting semester. And I've noticed in myself that when I'm going through things, I often feel as though I cannot um, speak about what I'm learning until it's finished, until I feel good, until I am joyous. And that's just not the process of how things are going right now. Um, it's been hard. Like it has been a hard semester. It has been hard to learn to let go. It has been hard to learn that, um, God is not in the business of quick fixes, but he's in the business of processes that allow us to steadily go through this race of life that he has already set before us and also already sees us finished. Like he's not in the business of me drinking six energy drinks to get through this race super fast because that's not how life works. We really do only have day by day. And so it has been a hard process to learn that because in my mind, I have been experiencing so many scenarios and so many thoughts and so many worries and so many fears. And it has allow me to really rest in doubt and rest in insecurity. Whereas I feel like, or I should say, despite, despite those things, I feel like I've had the opportunity to, to rest in the Lord, right? Where, okay, I'm seeing doubt and insecurity, but, but God is still my safety and my faith. But to be honest with you, I haven't been doing that, that, that well. Um, and so I just wanted to get on here and just talk about what I feel like I'm learning this semester. I think that I've said this multiple times on here before, but I'm very blessed by the fact that the Lord reveals to me what I am, um, what I feel pulled to to speak to other people about. I feel like he always is teaching me at first. And so this week I have the opportunity to speak at one of our um, student-led uh, services, student-led opportunities, student-led opportunities, um, spiritual formation opportunities that's student-led. I should just say that. Um, it's our last meeting of the semester and I, I had the opportunity to speak at the last one. And I felt, I feel very drawn to speak about, um, just experiencing God as father. And I also have an experience, I have an opportunity to speak to high schoolers, um, about grace and about this relationship with the Lord that we are offered through Jesus to commune with him, to be with him, right? To experience grace that's, to experience a life that's literally not based off works, to experience Jesus as salvation, that we don't have to continuously try to save ourselves. And as I, as I believe that truth in my mind and in my heart, I often towards myself don't believe that. And so, um, I feel like the Lord is taking me through a process of learning that because I'm so used to thinking about how I feel like my family thinks towards me or how other people think towards me or how I think towards myself or, or the different fears and thoughts that come to my mind. Um, and how I've also struggled with, I struggle with, um, some mental illnesses and things like that. And I'm so used to limiting myself based on those things that like maybe that's the reality rather than the Lord redeeming me to be exactly who he made me to be despite um, these worries and fears and thoughts and et cetera. Um, And he's just not allowing that because these opportunities I have are for him to be glorified, are for me to, to be a part of his kingdom. And I thank you, Lord, for that. 
Um, but that means I have to be in a right standing where I am speaking in authority, knowing who I am, knowing who I am, knowing the power of the name of Jesus in my life as an individual. That means being hidden in Christ. That means I need to be standing up to the enemy, standing up to my thoughts, standing up to my flesh, knowing that my hope is in Jesus and my hope in Jesus can remain forever because he remains forever. And so I want to speak that knowing that it's true, knowing that despite these things that I am feeling, because it has been rough, the Lord will not fail. And I keep hearing, don't despise small beginnings. And I keep hearing, rest in me. And I keep hearing, I am your faith. And I keep hearing, I am a father first. And I just want to declare those things because the Lord is good to provide what we need in order to be in his will. He is good to sanctify us into who we are supposed to be to walk the walk, to run the race that he has set before us. Um, Cause he really is not in the business of quick fixes. He really isn't. He is in, he is in a process of running this race in the manner that he desires. He's in the process of allowing us to experience him on this side of glory despite our limitations, which means there's going to be some, some fight. There's going to be some battle because our flesh does not desire that. And the enemy doesn't desire that, but we are still walking in victory. We are still walking in victory and we are walking in the spirit of God that hovered over the waters in the formation of the, of the earth. And it's also the same spirit that literally raised Jesus from the dead. So we have the spirit of God within us. And I think we hear these things so much and they feel hard to hear, especially when we're going through difficult times or they feel like just the same old thing. But I just want to encourage you as I am encouraging myself that we will not fail in Christ. That he is bigger than our fears and he is bigger than our worries and he is bigger than our expectations, big or small, good or bad. He is bigger than these things. He is having a way in us that will last forever. He is everlasting. He is eternal. His will, his kingdom is forever, forever. He's not He's not worried the way we're worried. Does he care and tend to our hearts and does he does he know our our worries and anxieties? Yes, but is he anxious because we're anxious? No. He offers us to give him our anxieties. But I think a lot of times we hear these things and, and we're going through seasons where it's freaking hard and we expect that, okay, well, I'm giving the Lord my anxieties and nothing's happening. I'm still feeling this way. And I want to speak, I want to speak to the fact that I think our freedom in Christ is to experience him despite our feelings and our circumstance. I want to speak that our freedom in Christ is to have faith in his word, that we can cast all of our cares upon him, right? That we can take up his yoke and he will give us rest. I want to speak to our freedom being in the Lord, that we can have the word of God while also still having thoughts going through our brain. That yes, we take every thought captive, but we make them obedient to Jesus. It is a work that the Lord has to do. And I want to speak to, to anyone on here, because I'm learning this about myself, who has felt as though that their salvation is in the hands of men. That is not true. Jesus is our salvation. God is our salvation. Nothing about our salvation or somebody else's salvation has to do with us. 
Do we have a part to play in the kingdom of God? Yes. But can I tell you that it's through him that we play that part, that there's nothing we can do for the kingdom of God without Jesus. And there's nothing he's asking you to do without him. And there's nothing that he really needs you to do. Yet we get so caught up in the way that we act or think, or we just really, really, really need to take, like, need to take this thought captive, that we focus so hard on our actions that we limit ourselves or we limit God because we think that we are as in much control as he is. And I think that is such our nature and we can, we can assume that and, and realize that because of the reality of how Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were already made in the image of God. They, they did not know that they didn't. And they also did not want to be limited to just being in the image of God. They wanted to be God. Can I tell you and confess that I've wanted to be God sometimes, that I've idolized myself, that I think that I have so much control, that I have so much power, that I can mess something up? It's left me in so much fear that I am in control of my life and I'm in control of my salvation and how things turn out. Because if I don't do this one thing or that one thing or I mess this up, then I'm obviously going to mess up the will of God. Can I tell you he's bigger than that? Can I tell you that that's bullcrap? When we rest in the Lord, and I'm going to talk about what it means to be a son or a daughter of Christ. When we rest in him as a son or daughter, we no longer have to strive to learn what that is. But I'm reading this book right now that um, this a friend of mine gave to me a little bit ago. I, I, I asked her for prayer because I was really struggling a little bit. And um, she, the next day, she felt like she needed to give me this book. And it's called Called to Rain, Living and Loving from a Place of Rest. And some of us will hear that that title and then go like, oh my gosh, like literally, like I think you just need to learn to get get to work because I think some some of us. What I mean by that is some of us are so much in a work mode that we hear things like you just need to rest, and we we get annoyed with people who say that because we're like, no, but there's a really there's a very real will we have to do. There's a very real real work we have to do, one hundred percent. But if you're not doing it from a place of resting in the Lord, you are doing it from a place of resting in your own abilities and your own gifts. And can I remind you that those gifts are from the Lord, and the only way for Him to be glorified is through Him. If, through him reaching these things. I don't know about you, but I want to do things through through him and not in vain for him. And maybe I'm flawed in some of what I'm saying, but I've experienced so much restlessness because I feel as though I didn't do enough in a day because I feel as though it's it, the weight is on my back. But I, I've also recognized and desired and been so desperate for the Lord to be in the, the leader because I cannot lead. I cannot lead. He has to lead me. And that is how I lead anything else in my life. Yet it is still from being obedient to him and serving him that I should do any of those things. So I want to read you a little bit of this book because it has been a beautiful, 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 beautiful reminder to me. And also just like, not even just a reminder, some of this stuff I've never heard before and I've never experienced the Lord in a way of a father, I think I've thought I have, but um, it's still been limited. It's been based on my limited perspective of father figures. And although I have had wonderful uncles and grandparents, grandfathers to um, redeem a little bit of what it means to have a father, it's not the same one as the absence of my earthly father and the damage of other father figures. But it's also none of that the same. Even if you have the best relationship with your earthly father, it is still not the same of the love of the father of God. Because can I remind you that he knew you before your parents knew you? 
the love he has for you is actually bigger than the love of your parents, the love of the person that loves you the most, or the love of the person that you love the most. Like he, his love is bigger than that. And so for us to experience being his son or daughter has even has nothing to do with us even being a child to somebody here, right, on this side of glory in our humanness. Although we can experience a glimpse of what it's like to be a child of God through our parents, through our experience here. When, the, when those things are damaged because we are human, because we have sin, because of, of different things, our perspective of God as a father is limited. Yet I feel like he wants to redeem that perspective, that we come back to the original state of knowing what it means to rest in him as father, that he created me as whole and good and desired me and loved me and thought I was beautiful before anything. Before my parents knew me, before my aunts and uncles knew me, before my my siblings and my cousins, before I screwed up, before they screwed up, before whatever it was, and he still looks at me, as, looks as me, looks at me as a son or daughter, and offers me life in his in his family, offers me life through Jesus and his family, his kingdom being family. And so, if I experienced that, how much more free would I be? Anyways, anyways, sorry, that wasn't even a part of the book. Sorry. Um. So chapter one of this book says this, and there's a lot before that that's just so good, but it says this, it says, there is a huge difference between the way a son or daughter sees and the way an orphan sees. Sons and daughters see promises, orphans see problems. It is not possible to reveal the father's heart with an orphan mindset. The true nature of the father can only be revealed in a kingdom family context. Only the family can love the way the father loves. Only sons and daughters can produce sons and daughters. Whew. In this restless world there is so dis- that is so disconnected from the father's heart, there are more than hundred, hundreds of thousands, possibly even millions of orphans we all call churches. This is why the world is longing for sons and daughters of God to be revealed, which is... Um, the book references Romans 8, 19. Many of God's children continue to live with an orphan mentality, unable to display the father's heart. Only the kingdom family can reproduce churches that see the world as the father sees it and love as he loves. In fact, that's what the kingdom family movement is all about. Loving as the father loves, becoming a revelation of his heart and drawing others into the family. We only have authority over what we love. So loving as the father loves puts us in a position of being able to exercise authority. This is why it is so vital to see as the father sees. Only then can we help a restless world find a place of rest. So that's a little glimpse. Um, There's also another part of this book that talks about the different chairs that Christians sit in. And this part has convicted me a lot because I have realized that I've sat in chair two for a while. And basically chair. Okay. So there's three chairs. I believe there's three chairs. I hope it's just three chairs because that would be embarrassing if it's like more than that or something and I'm wrong. But um, I believe there's there's three chairs. And the first chair is, oh, I found it. The first chair is you're rooted in sonship. In chair one, you realize the kingdom is not about the things of this world. So your focus is never on problems, but always on kingdom opportunities. If you were, um, it says, chair one is a beautiful place to be. Those who live from that place are rooted in the spirit of sonship, which we talk about quite a bit in this book. Chair one is is about experiencing God's pleasure without ever having to perform. In fact, you already have an A plus on your report card because you, you, 
You already have an A plus on your report card be- before you ever go out and do something. In chair one, you live from a place of total acceptance and rest. The dove, the Holy Spirit, comes to rest on you. You become his habitation. You can hear the Father's voice as a son or daughter and trust that he is able to guide you. You know you belong so you can believe God's promises and then behave as he has called you to do. You learn to put be, have, and do in the right order. You know that you are and then you live from your inheritance and walk out your destiny. You aren't just trying to get from the earth to heaven but also want to bring heaven to earth. You can live as a river overflowing righteousness, peace and joy in the spirit, Romans 14, 17, overwhelmed with the things of God because that is the atmosphere of the kingdom. And when I think about chair one, I really do think about the Garden of Eden before the before the fall when Adam and Eve did not, like they, they were naked and unashamed. And that's obviously like not just physically, like they they were they were human and not ashamed right? But once they ate of the fruit, they were able to recognize their limitations, their sin. There there was now a separation from the Lord. And I think that when you are in a chair and when you are in chair one, right? And you're seeing your life as you're resting as his son or daughter. And this is obviously through your acceptance of Jesus Christ being your savior. You can't be a son or daughter unless it's through Jesus. Like I don't want to, I don't want to miss saying that because I don't want anyone to just think like, oh, okay, well, I'll just act like I'm a daughter of the Lord. Like, yes, you are, but it's through Jesus. Like you have to acknowledge that Jesus died for your sins. We have to acknowledge that we are sinners saved by grace, right? Through Jesus. That like, we have to acknowledge that first. And then you allow your, like you allow that grace and that love to just overwhelm you that I'm really, I was created by the Lord. And although I did not desire him, he sent his son for me to die for me and raise again that I would have life in him as a son or a daughter, as a son or a daughter. How beautiful is that? So chair one is all about being a child of the Lord right? And resting in that, resting in you being whole in God before anything. And naturally, all of us resist that. We all resist that because it's hard to believe that we could be completely whole without doing anything. Do we have an obligation? Yes. But it is from knowing who you are and then living from your inheritance and walking out your purpose. We are called to to a purpose, right? Ephesians 2.10. We are created in we, we are his workmanship created for plans that he is like predestined for us or something like that. Ephesians 2.10. Go, go read it. Um, so yeah, but chair two, which is where a lot of Christians, including myself, rest, is the kingdom of self. It says in chair two, you have a tendency to live for God rather than living from God because you have become rooted in the orphan spirit rather than the spirit of sonship. Most people don't think chair two describes their worldview because they don't recognize the subtle differences. We all have been chair two Christians at times, and we can easily slip from chair one into chair two, thinking at any point in our lives. But over time, we learn to see the difference. You are always under pressure to perform because it is what you do that makes you who you are. You experience the Holy Spirit's visitation, but not his habitation as the dove, dove resting on you. Instead of confidently hearing God's voice, you try to discern his will while fearing you might be misled by the self or the devil. Instead of being a son or daughter in order to have and then to do, chair two believers are trying to believe the right way in order to behave the right way in order to belong. We mess up the order in chair two. It says we are trying to believe the right way in order to behave the right way in order to belong. Yet God says you belong in my kingdom. And then that allows you to behave. When you understand that, that allows you to behave the right way and to believe the right things and to do the right things because you're resting in a place of belonging. How many times have you, and I'm saying this because I know that I do this too, but how many times do you act a certain way in order for you to belong? 
Jesus continuously shows us that is not the purpose. The woman at the well, literally, she, the Lord knew everything about her, yet was not focused on those things. Did she turn to the Lord and turn from those things? Yes. But that was because there was an, an, an acknowledgement, a, re- a revelation of the fact that, oh my gosh, I've already, I've already known. Oh my gosh, I didn't need to do anything for Jesus. He just met me here despite everything that I've been, despite the way people see me, despite the things I've done, despite the things that have happened. He has met me here and he desires me and he's offering to to tell me about the kingdom of the Lord, to offer me to be. Jesus offered himself to her and brought an understanding that there will be a day when you don't have to go to a certain temple to worship me, that you don't have to be a Jew to worship me, but the kingdom is here and now that you can worship me wherever. He's not focused on us doing the right things to then belong. He's focused on us understanding who created us, that we belong to him and that we walk in authority. So we need to, we need to walk in that out of knowing him. But so many of us are lost trying to figure out where we belong but the Lord is saying, I've already, re- I've already made you. You already belong to me. You can resist me all you want, but I created you. So there's no other, like, be my, be my son, be my daughter. And that's an, that's an invitation to experience his love as a father. Cause he is a father first. He is a father first. And I think we doubt that we doubt that a hundred percent. And so I have been in chair two for a long time. And it says chair three is just, it says you're lost. If you're living in chair three, you are lost. That is the world system apart from Jesus outside of the kingdom of God. It includes 1.6 billion Muslims, more than a billion Hindus, and nearly half a billion Buddhists, as well as atheists, agnostics, and every other non-Christian. Every one of these people is looking for love, security, value, significance, and purpose. It's in our DNA as human beings. What I love about that sentence is that it's not looking at these people as bad people or as people who are just like, well, that's it, they're lost. It's saying these are all people that literally are looking for love, security, value, significance, and purpose because that is in our DNA to desire. And you cannot tell me that's wrong because we all have desire to belong. We are literally made to worship the Lord. It makes sense that sometimes we fall into worshiping idols because we don't understand that we already belong to a father who knew us apart from this world, who has a place for us that is everlasting despite this world not being that, despite this world being temporary. And so I've just been learning so much about what the heck this means for me because I think I go... I go back and forth in my mind, which I also want to speak to the fact that when you struggle with mental illness, and I want to affirm in you the fact that you can struggle with mental illness as a Christian. You're not any less than, you're you're not, it's not that you have not arrived to being a son or a daughter of the Lord because you're struggling with mental illness. Um, But because I have dealt with a lot of different things, different thought process, processes and, and mental health issues. I have in my mind gone back from, well, today I've been behaving like a daughter of the Lord, so I'm a daughter. But yesterday I was more a slave or yesterday I was more, um, I was wicked or this or that. And instead of experiencing what it means to belong to the Lord in such freedom, 
And I'm not saying to do whatever I want, but I mean freedom to be his despite all my fears, despite all my thoughts, despite all my actions, but to experience him more and more and more that I'm not so focused on my actions. I have literally felt as though I can just name myself, that I am able to take away my salvation, that I am able to mess something up so bad. I've limited the perspective of uh, of the Lord as Father. And I don't want to discredit His holiness and the fact that He is King and He is the name above all names, right? Um, that He is the rock. I don't want to dis I don't want to speak of him as father as 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 a way that is so casually. But he is a he is a father who has formed us in authority, in his spirit, with life and breath. And we do very much have to repent and turn to the Lord, right? It is it is very much only through Jesus that we experience God, right, as Father. But it has to take us humbling ourselves that we are not God, that we naturally in our flesh desire to idolize things, to idolize ourselves, to idolize other people, but that we need the Lord. And we can recognize that we need him when we are trying to extend a grace to ourselves that we can only receive from God. When we are trying to be someone that only God knows who we can be. When we are trying to fix ourselves when the Lord is the only one who says redeemed and he already has and it's not through what we do or any of those things. We can recognize that we need God when we are trying to find our belonging in everything else but him and none of it's working out. None of it's working out because we need the Lord. We need him. We were made for him. We were made in his image. And there is something beautiful in that. And I think that this world would start to see such the the light of God so, so clearly, so much more clearly if we were to step into experiencing God for a little bit longer than devotionals in the morning, a little bit longer than Sunday, a little bit longer than Wednesday, a little bit longer than group things, but individually you sitting outside and experiencing God and, and, and getting to a place where you're like, wow, I am his daughter. Wow. I am his son. Because when you experience him in that way, you will honestly see that it is different than your experience with a father here or a friend here or a boss here or a leader here. Don't put God in the box of those things in the human form, in the form of your father or mother here, in the form of your boss here, in the form of your friends here. Because as humans, we will all fail. And we also need to take accountability for the way we have failed. But can I tell you that God is still extending his hand to you to hold you as a father to redeem your perspective of his kingdom to release your doubt of his spirit moving to experience his word being alive i wonder what it would be like for you and i and for the community around us if we were able to take time with the Lord seriously to take experiencing his grace and peace and all those things seriously that we are not so focused on us because <laughs> everything about my life is Christ has my flesh have I failed in my flesh a hundred percent am I gonna have to be a, am I held accountable to God yes a hundred percent is Jesus my salvation though? Yes. And as he conquered the grave, yes. 
And has he forgiven me? Yes. And has he redeemed me? Yes. It is through the blood of the lamb. And his activeness in our world now is here because his kingdom is here and near. And you get to experience his kingdom as a family when you recognize that you are a son or a daughter of God. I want to finish with this little part from Colossians 1. It says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You are in a family. You belong. You belong. The agenda of the Lord is wholeness in him. And you cannot find wholeness in anywhere else but God. He's not afraid of your emotions. He's not afraid of your questions. He's not fearing your mental illnesses. He's not fearing your body. He's not feeling, fearing your insecurity. He's not fearing your past. He's not fearing your sin. He's offering you to commune with him, to repent from, from the things that you have, the ways of which you have fallen short, but to then draw near to him and experiencing him as a child. Thank you for listening today. I know this was was pretty long. And I just ask that you pray for discernment over everything I said. And that I just ask that this honor unglorifies him and that you, um, if you need anything, you let me know. So God bless you. You are very loved and you do belong.